familiar to people, I think, from this presentation. Okay, um, in the centre of a large white cotton handkerchief is a gun and a flag. The flag is an irregular shape to evoke the fluttering effect of wind, and it's an Irish tricolour, and the gun is an AK-47. Both are comprised of even blocks of colour created by felt-tip pens. Black felt-tip pens outlines an unfurled banner. I can show you in a bit more detail, I hope. Um, and, and a date, 1976, is divided in half and written at a flourish, on the flourish at the end of each banner. Armour gel, stenciled in orange, above the banner and below the strap of the gun, completes the handkerchief centrepiece. It is surrounded by names. 45 women signed the handkerchief in Byro Pen. Most added a neighbourhood and a number of years after their names. Many drew a line under these details of their life. Along the bottom hem is a dedication to Geordie and Bernadette from Christine Armagel, 1976. A cursory glance is quite sufficient to see the iconography of a national armed struggle and the multiple marks of female biographies. And that quick look might capture some of the contradictions of the material form. Light fabric weighed down with significance, with all of those names, Angela, Anne, Brenda, Dolores, Eileen, Evelyn, Geraldine, Jackie, Jane, Josephine, Kate, Mairead, Maria, Madeleine, Margaret, Marion, Marie, Mary, Millie, Nula, Patricia, Pauline, Philomena, Rita, Rosa, Rosie, Sheila and Susan. Lines of similar width and colour formed each of the names, indicating they wrote with the same pen. A biro, ubiquitous, quotidian, common, but this one was shared and passed from hand to hand, and its point pressed upon a common cloth. So the handkerchief is a very simple square of white cotton and one of the plainest fabrics possible. Felt-tip pens are also common, cheap, quick means of, of creating colour, and the Armour handkerchief itself is mass-produced. So thus it appears quite a contradictory form. Mass-produced and handmade, completely ordinary and absolutely unique. And it is full, I would argue, of material, historical and apparent contradictions, and only one of which is the juxtaposition of women and war. All those female names encircling an automatic assault rifle, which we now know also worked at really high velocities to tear flesh. Um, so my paper focuses upon the meanings of this handkerchief made by women Republicans imprisoned in the conflict in and about Northern Ireland. And I'm using the phrase that's used by an organisation that I work with called Healing Through Remembering that tries to evoke that the conflict took place for the most part in Northern Ireland but also elsewhere, both in the South and in Britain. At, but it was over the status of Northern Ireland um, that the war, the Thirty Years' War, um, was conducted. OK, my paper then attends to contradictions and ambiguities of cloth and war, of women in imprisonment, of personal and political, and of the everyday and historical. Um, sorry, I've lost my page. Okay. I want to begin by just talking about the meanings of cloth and, and, and looking at a text that people may know. Annette um, Viner and Jane Schneider argue, claim, that cloth is more closely associated with women and men. 
And it's this that I think is important in terms of understanding the handkerchief. They are quite sensitive in the way in which they represent this. They argue that women are by no means universally the producers of cloth, and who knows, with a mass-produced cotton handkerchief in 1970, who was the producer, in fact. But, but they argue that their important roles in these activities are found worldwide, as is the symbolism of human and cultural reproduction that is associated with cloth and its reproduction. So creating cloth, according to Weiner and Schneider, is an act of giving form, a, a materialisation of making itself. So women make, for the most part, cloth and represent the making of material worlds from both the particular to the universal, the familiar to the political or cosmological. So cloth, Schneider and Weiner argue, evokes female power. Women not only create cloth, but control its circulation. In many societies, they argue, women monopolise all or most of the manufacturing sequence, giving them a larger role than men. And many societies, they state, assign women rather than men to the exchange and give cloths. Um, they, the exchange and give cloths in its circulation from the living to the dead, from the brides to the groom's family, the political dominant to dependent clients. So the argument is that cloth itself has meanings that are associated with women that transcend the individual makers of that piece of cloth itself is what they're claiming. So a handkerchief, just a piece of cloth, a simple square, is a very uncomplicated form that could, I suggest, reveal some of the fundamental functions of cloth as a material itself. Cloth mediates between the body and the world and therefore can bind people together. Cloth can conduct the material and symbolic work of reproducing life, according to Weiner and Schneider, and from protecting and presenting the body and the self sheltering and sustaining communities and culture. So the association of women and cloth produces an affinity between them. Women and cloth perform the same material and symbolic work of reproduction. And for Schneider and Weiner, that work isn't simply reduced to motherhood, but might be better understood as the preservation of life. So cloth and women maintain social relationships over time. Cloth is used by women to remember ancestors, make alliances, to continue familiar and political lines. And although their phrases are anthropological, you can see that the way they play out in contemporary sequences in terms of the, the guardianship of most textiles in most modern contemporary homes will be uh, conducted and performed by women. And that's, the, that's how they make their case. So importantly, the gendering of the material can envelop uh, a human form and envelop the form of cloth um, but it doesn't leave cloth as, a, as an unchanging state, but rather casts it as a highly charged symbolic site. So, for example, where cloth exchanges, which are often enacted by women, material is inherited and passed on, and once object acquires the status of inheritance, other kinds of significance can proliferate. So cloth, or a handkerchief that passes between the dead and the living, between the past and the present, can carry with it the marks of time. And indeed, the, the armour handkerchief is itself a record of time, 1976. It is one of hundreds of handkerchiefs decorated by Republican and Loyalist prisoners between the years 1976 uh, and 19, 1971 and 1976. Now, the practice of handkerchief making continued into the 1980s in jails, um, but the, the, most of the production centred upon the early 1970s and the overwhelming majority of these handkerchiefs were made by Republican men. They were the largest group of prisoners at the time when the prison population relating to the conflict was at its height. 
and handkerchief decoration was widely practiced in these early years um, of a conflict in and about Northern Ireland euphemistically described as the Troubles I'm sure you know but I'll just repeat very quickly the dates, so the Troubles is a 30 year war that can be periodised from 1969 the deployment of British troops uh, on the streets of Belfast and Derry up to the Good Friday Agreement in 1998 and there are of course as in all studies of conflict, imposing interpretations of the period and causes of the conflict and of the period and of the main movers of conflict resolution. But there's actually some agreement about the phases of conflict, which are useful in terms of understanding the handkerchief. So phases of the troubles, it's argued, went from containment to criminalisation, which is a much more um, studied period, particularly in relation to... Uh, jail artefacts because it contains the hunger strikes of 1980 and 81 and then a period of normalisation or managerialism but it's the first period of reactive containment 69 to 76 to which I would suggest that the handkerchief, the armour handkerchief belongs most particularly um, this is just an example of a more revolutionary handkerchief making from republican prisons of this early period so um, the period of reactive containment Peter Sherlow and Kieran McAvoy describe as characterised by the state's need to react to the outbreak of political violence and they summarise it as getting the enemy off the streets and they note prisons which would include, uh, include Armagh's women's jail and this handkerchief would be part of one of those sites. Um, it's one element, Armagh, in a counter-insurgency strategy. Um, importantly... Um, Suspects of political violence were rapidly removed from theatres of conflict to camps, jails and ships, which were then subject to military um, security, so British Army military patrols. And the prisons were filled with both internees who um, did not stand a trial, so administrative detention, and sentenced prisoners who from 1973 were committed uh, at a trial, but a trial without a jury, so a diplock court system, as it was known. So the political nature of both sentencing and detention procedures, and detention itself in this period, was quite overt, um, as was... Uh, so the overt nature, nature of political imprisonment... Um, meant that jails were accorded the status or recognised the status of, as prisoner of war camps. And so there's a militarised perimeter within which there's a relative amount of freedom within, which is characteristic of prisoner of war styles of detention, as opposed to what might be called normal imprisonment. And so, so it is, that's the case, then, that the condition of political imprisonment towards the end of the period of reactive containment, 1976, produces the conditions through which the handkerchief could exist. So prisoners at this period were awarded a special, special category status through which their political imprisonment was recognised and it was awarded following a, a 30-day hunger strike in 1972, which allowed prisoners to um, sustain their own organisations within the jail, so follow routines within the prison that were not uh, imposed by the penal regime but their own political organisations, including the IRA's A company in Armagh Jail. So it was one of the, the uh, military groupings that were able to enact their own regimes and therefore exert collective control over the shared spaces of the prison. So therefore the wing, the dining room, association areas, within which the exchange of skills 
were enabled prisoners to adopt political craft practices. So, decorating a handkerchief was part of that shared political craft. It began with deciding a centrepiece. Um, prisoners drew upon a conventional and recognisable iconography of nation and religion. Celtic interlacing and crosses, maps of Ireland, Irish flags dominated handkerchiefs and the metonym of affiliation to an army, the gun is recurrent as is the emblem of incarceration barbed wire. So the armour handkerchief with its tricolour overlaid with an AK-47 is in fact a typical cloth of its type. Centrepieces were designed, they were adaptations of this popular iconography produced with the limited materials within a jail. So a stencil was normally created on greaseproof paper taken from prison kitchens or dining rooms, laid underneath a handkerchief, pinned or stretched to a board or a table to guide the maker's hand over the smoother, taut surface. Prisoners with drawing skills combined with knowledge of established iconography, so how to approximate shapes for fabric, produced the stencils. So these skilled handkerchief makers might create a centrepiece uh, for other prisoners. They might share their stencils or they might reserve them for their own handkerchief. And colour was then added to a surface, staining the hole and the flattening effect of even blocks of colour, which is a problem with these handkerchiefs. Is it's always one of the issues with using felts because they're very, they block out colour so can't produce depth. Um, they're added later, and one former prisoner recalls the demand for all shades of green, which is interesting here because the green of this is not a really proper green, it's a blue-green, so the colour of Ireland is the most de- in most demand and runs out, a process of sharing where these colours become available. Um, the supply of pens were dependent on donations from family and friends and was therefore limited in the jail. Imagery was then also always accompanied by words, and all handkerchiefs present writing. So mottos might be copied from a stencil, but names and dedications were freehand and concluded the decoration of the handkerchief. The circulation as well as production of decorated handkerchiefs were effect of conditions of of political uh, imprisonment relating to reactive containment. So there were a greater number of visits and parcels received by prisoners with political status, so special category status. And this facilitated the exchange of objects both permitted and prescribed between prisoners, um, uh, between prisoners, their family and their supporters. Plain handkerchiefs could be given to prisoners because they're considered to be an essential component of dress. Thus, the particular properties of the handkerchief itself, a necessary cloth additional to clothing, ensured that it was able to pass through the prison system. So a spare square of cloth that guarantees appropriate appearance could be seen necessary for dress. So it functions rather, a handkerchief functions functions rather like a garment, keeping the body correctly dressed, patrols the surface of appearance, removes dirts, wipes away bodily excretions on the surface, so a dribbly nose or a sweaty face, and it brushes food from the mouth and dust from clothes. So it's on hand to ensure, as uh, Douglas would tell us, that there's no matter out of place. Dirt's hidden in the folds of the handkerchief, pocketed between clothing, and protects the propriety of the person. So it's part of dress, but its additional status, its function as this essential extra to the clothed body, lends itself to appropriation. Its capacity for secrecy, hiding dirt away, suggests other uses. 
While plain handkerchiefs were part of dress, in the prison code are part of dress, decorated handkerchiefs were not. The process of drawing, outlining, colouring and writing transformed a permitted object into a prescribed one. So Irish tricolours could be banned under the Flags and Emblems Display Act of 19, uh, Northern Ireland of 1954 and guns declared membership to prescribed organisations such as the Irish Republican Army. So decorated handkerchiefs were then smuggled out of jail, so smuggling illicit objects, passing them from prisoners to their families during visits, was relatively easy, while special category provision conditions prevailed, so up until 1976. And it was e- at least it was easy compared to the subsequent process of criminalisation after that that goes from 76 to 81 and the hunger strikes. And this is the time when body searches became more frequent, intrusive and punitive. However, in the earlier period, the handkerchief's material properties, its light folding fabric, facilitated illicit transfers. Indeed, its ability to be smuggled determined, at least in part, its suitability to be decorated. So the handkerchief was difficult to detect in a very simple pat-down search. It would be wound round the turns of a trouser waistband or, or slipped easily into a pocket. And furthermore, at a time when political imprisonment was overtly recognised prison officers did not seek confrontations over the prison traffic in commemorative goods. And as you can see, the creases are still visible on the armour handkerchief. It was folded four times to be carried by a person at a sixteenth of its size. Thus, the armour handkerchief is a record of political imprisonment at, at a moment when the British state um, was about to change its policy. So it's a, it's a kind of, it's on the cusp of, of being between reactive containment and a period of criminalisation. Um, and the Armagh Cloth, important, asserts that this moment in time, 1976, is worthy of record, of historical and therefore of political significance. Now, the commemorative capacity of cloth and handkerchiefs in, in particular is already very well established um, and developed with the technology of printing on textiles, so very early on. And Braun Ronsdorf's History of the Handkerchief Um, presents examples of decorated handkerchiefs that date from the late 17th century, so from printing on cloth, um, until the mid-19th century, so covers the period of of revolutionary moments to the Great Exhibition, and all of these events are recorded on cloth. And what's important maybe is that such events would always be reported on paper, but it's their imprint on cloth that casts them into history, where they become not just news but a matter of commemoration. So the armour handkerchief could be considered an an appropriation of official act of commemoration. And it is an adaptation, of course, of the use of textiles by prisoners, which is exemplified most forcefully by one of the handkerchiefs, or a handkerchief included in Rosika Parker's The Subversive Stitch, a silk handkerchief made by suffragette Jane Torero. Its centrepiece is a posy of applique flowers, purple lilies... Um, and, in, and there's an embroidered script and signature. Uh, the colours and the icons of the suffragette movement are, po- are embedded in the handkerchief, as is the signatures of other suffragette prisoners who participated in hunger strikes. And on the handkerchief says, I hope you can read, it were fed by force. Um, so the art, both the Armour handkerchief and the Holloway handkerchief could be seen to be part of the same kind of historical lineage, at least in part... Rosika Parker, as I'm sure people are aware, talks about embroidery as an an analogy for both 
incarceration and domesticity, imprisonment and femininity. But such an analogy really can only apply to the Holloway handkerchief, so to the embroidered handkerchief, and not really that one made in Armagh, because patterns created with a felt-tip pen, although you could see they're possibly an adaptation of older techniques of decoration, and the residue of which is evident in the formal design, the emblematic centrepiece surrounded by epigraphic forms, the different techniques of decoration, the creation of lines rather than stitches, the substitution of pen for needle, ink for thread, is a disruption of a material practice, but a disruption that then becomes a tradition. So importantly, the felt-tip pen is a tradition of resistance, prisoner resistance, even when needles were available, and they were available to women in workshops. Um, but, they ch- but, but women in Armagh jail chose to use the technique of pen work. So what I want to suggest is that feminised embroidery here is adopted by both men and women to make the handkerchief a very complexly gendered and contradictory cloth. Zika Parker suggests that signatures, the signatures on the Holloway handkerchief, uh, followed or combined the traditions of political petitioning with a social practising of embroidering a signature when a hostess comes uh, to, to mark the occasion of a dinner. I'd like to consider that perhaps neither these two handkerchiefs are just a play, neither of them, of, on commemoration... The handkerchiefs actually brought together a group of women in an act of commemoration, a kind of activity, created an occasion, turned a passing moment of time within a jail into one of significance, just the act of making or just the act of marking the handkerchief. So their signatures, both written or stitched, are an expression of existence here and then with each other within the jail, and that the making and keeping of the cloth commemorates the moment of their gathering and stops that moment from falling away very quickly into the past. So it becomes a record of both individual and collective participation, testament to both individual existences, the signature, and a collective act. So the handkerchiefs become a form of personification where personification isn't just reduced to individuality. So cloth is both personal and its habitual use to cover and bind, to to shield and show as we might see with clothing, separates people from their surroundings, containing a material body in a material world. Handkerchiefs, as a piece of cloth, are also held in the space between these different material domains, between inside and outside, between the personal and the political. Of the meanings of this particular piece of cloth, then the handkerchief, that's acquired over time, relate both to that of cloth itself, but also to the, this cloth as a handkerchief as a representation of the power of cloth and so therefore it's both ambiguous and contradictory and holds together some of the difficult opposites of women and violence of imprisonment and uh, feminine nature but also of the everyday and the unique historical moment of a common cloth and a political event thanks